0: It's time for JT the Brick.
1: I can't tell you how emotionally upset I get when I talk to him knowing that that man should be in Canton, Ohio. And for whatever reason, the Hall of Fame can't get that right.
2: The countdown to Canton is on.
1: We were the best team. We deserved to be world champions. Woo! I'm proud
2: of you. I'm proud of you. <laughs> Tom Flores. I have tears my right now. I'm just thinking about it. Charles Woodson. You know, I I went out there and I played my my heart out each and every Sunday. As these Raiders are inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, we honor them on Raider Nation Radio.
3: Just win, baby.
2: The countdown to Canton is on. Here's your host, JT the Brick.
1: Oh, it's great to be here in studio at Lotus Broadcasting on a gorgeous Monday. Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. And on the Raiders mobile app, Big Week. We've been giving you this countdown to Canton throughout some parts of the summer here, and now it's go time as I leave Friday for Canton for the Pro Football Hall of Fame enshrinement. Two days, the largest turnout in Hall of Fame history, and the Raiders got two in. They'll be going in the second enshrinement on Sunday, Tom Flores and Charles Woodson. So what we wanted to do was set the tone for this several weeks ago, and now it's go time. So I'd like everybody to go. That's what go time means. And here we go. If you're going to Canton to participate in this at all, call the show this week and let us know. I'm here Monday to Thursday. I travel all day. Friday, and I travel back on Monday, back on Tuesday. So I got a big week. Hall of Fame is the priority here. Obviously, training camp. I'll be at practice tomorrow and Wednesday. They get into pads, which is big. That's what we've all been waiting for, is for this team to get into some padded practices and start knocking heads, and let's see how that plays out. Practices are real early in the morning. We'll get to that, 7.30 to 9.30, so Gruden can get them on and off the field and then get him working. He's impressed with the commitment that he's seeing from the team. But I want this week really to focus on Tom Flores, as we said. I talked to Coach uh, last week at the end of the week. He sounded better than I've ever heard him. His energy, his voice sounded great. He's been waiting his whole adult life for this honor coming up on Sunday. And we want to be the lead into that. We want Raider Nation Radio to really spend some time on Tom Flores this week. There's no preseason games. There's no regular season games. And really congratulate the coach. And, you know, I don't want to do it on Monday, Tuesday as I'm traveling back. We'll hear Tuesday because we're going to get right into the first preseason game against Seattle. So it's go time. So I'd rather get ahead of this than be behind it. Obviously, if you're going to have something to say about his speech – on Monday, Tuesday next week, or anybody else you want to call the other shows, of course do it. But I want to, I want to thank Coach Flores, who listens to the show at home, and, and get this thing pumped up this week. Because I think it's such a big deal for the history of the franchise. There's 150 alumni in town. They normally would be in Napa. It's a big trip for them. They come in for training camp. And in Napa, Mark Davis traditionally would throw a big dinner for them at a winery at a vineyard, which was off the charts. Best thing I could ever do, I get to emcee that event, and it's incredible to be sitting out on top of a vineyard looking at the grapes and watching all these legends talk with their wives and you know, talk about their history. Now, because the Raiders are here, they spend an enormous amount of money for their training camp. They have all the resources of Las Vegas and all the restaurants and all the nightlife here. They're doing it here. So that'll be tomorrow night. Tuesday night at the stadium, uh, the Raiders big alumni event, which I'm going to emcee that, and I can't wait to introduce Mark Davis and some of the alumni who are going to be here because this is huge for them. The Raiders and their former players have a home. They have their legacy brick. A lot of players are coming in to see their brick for the first time, and there's just going to be a lot of guys in town here over at the M Resort. Over the next couple of days, hint, hint, if you want to go see our great new Tavern and Grill, the Raiders Tavern and Grill over there, there's going to be a lot of juice flying through the M here over the next couple of days. And then it's on to Canton. And there are some of the Hall of Famers who are here that are going from here directly to Canton, Ohio, to celebrate Tom Flores. So I'm excited. I'm humbled by it. I think the Tom Flores week's going to be amazing. And we should get on the phones now and thank Coach and get on in, 702-365-9200, as we're brought to you by P.T.'s, the best happy hour in town, 5 to 7, midnight to 2. A lot of P.T.'s were packed last night. If you didn't go to the soccer game, to watch it during happy hour and have a great time there. Great reports out of everybody who was at P.T.'s to watch those games. P.T.'s fuels the monologue as we kick off this show. All right, I'm going to get to heavy Raiders here in the monologue, but I want to begin with the soccer game last night and everything that went down. Man, this town is a bunch of complainers, man. Holy crap. What happened to Vegas? Bobby's laughing. You can hear him in the background. I mean, I understand this, and I'm going to get into it, excuse me, next hour. As everybody, everybody, I mean, come on. There's a brand new stadium that's never been opened. It's opening, and it backs up to a freeway and industrial parks. You got to know where you're going if you want to go. This isn't like growing up in your town where you drove around the neighborhood of Lambeau Field and then there were people and old ladies saying, park on my lawn for $10 with flags. This is Vegas. That's not happening. You can park in a strip club for 100 bucks. I don't know if that'll go over well with the wife and kids. If you're pulling into Crazy Horse 2, nothing wrong with that. And you got to peel off 100 to park. You got, you're better than that. Figure it out. So I, they're going to have to figure this all out. There was just a lot of complaining. A lot of complaining from people on social media about this. And it's just, as Aaron Rodgers would say, relax, figure it out. It's Vegas. And Vegas is the entertainment capital of the world. That doesn't mean Vegas has the best parking lots in the world. And Vegas is the best at, you know, getting people into tiny parking lots. We knew this, okay? We didn't put this thing out In the back end of Henderson or up on the corridor somewhere off the 215 in the northwest part of the city. We put it on the strip because that's what people wanted it. Okay, There's an airport. You can't put it where you want because planes could fly into it. All right, They got it where they got it for the right reasons to get people to go. My sons went to the game. I'll talk about this next hour. I dropped them off. It was perfect. Dropped them off right in front of the drop-off zone. They had the best time. A little bit concerned of one of my sons walking in with a USA tank top on and a USA hat. He had one of the great times of his life. USA wins. Do we have that goal, Bobby? Let's get to that USA goal because if you stuck around, a lot of people waiting for penalty kicks. 61 plus thousand people in there, and they finally got a goal. 117th minute.
0: Acosta hooks it into the traffic. of free!
1: Now, that sounded louder on FS1 than there was. I've had people who said it was 95%, 95 to 5, Mexican, Mexican Mexican-Americans. I think more reality, and tell me if you were there, was it 80, 20, Mexico over USA? Was it 60, 40? Place looked like it was just packed with Mexico fans, which is fine. Get used to it. we got people coming here to our beautiful city to go to games. They're coming in, welcome them, because they're helping to pay for the thing and helping to fund the city by filling hotel rooms. So a lot of people were pretty fired up if they went to the game last night. The stadium looked incredible on TV. I'll lead with this again next hour. I think it's a great moment for Mark Davis, the Raiders, obviously everybody in Las Vegas who believed in this project, and the fact that they are hosting events now is great. All right, the big NFL breaking news is that Indianapolis Colts quarterback Carson Wentz is having surgery today on his injured left foot. He could be sidelined anywhere from 5 to 12 weeks. Now, that is a big time frame, 5 to 12 weeks, because they clearly, and Jay Glazer reported, they clearly don't know how he's going to react to surgery. But he decided that he's going to have surgery, so it's a serious issue. That brings me to the Raiders. The Raiders have the number one backup quarterback in the NFL, in my opinion, period. Marcus Mariota. Marcus should be a starter in this league. And I think Marcus still wants to play, last I heard. He played in one game last year against Miami and, excuse me, the Chargers, and should have did enough to win that game. Should have did enough to win that game. Remember, first and goal at the four. I repeat that. First and goal at the four, and they didn't get in, settled for a field goal, and lost a game. So I don't know what Marcus wants to do, but I will tell you this. If the Colts want a starting quarterback and they want to go to the playoffs, they would call the Raiders and trade for Marcus Mariota. He is the guy that can do that for him. Now, I don't think the Raiders should do it, nor do I think the Raiders are considering it, unless, as I tweeted out before the show at JT the Brick, unless they get a King's ransom. Now, what would that ransom be? I swear I have no idea. A third-round pick? I'd take that. A second-round pick, probably too rich. Mariota's contract is pretty expensive, but he can go in and play. He knows that division. He played for the Titans and led them to the playoffs. He knows that division, and that team, the Colts, is really good. They're a very good team. They beat the Raiders last year with Phillip Rivers. They went to the playoffs, and they could have beat Buffalo and Buffalo. So I bring this up because this is a compliment to the Raiders, compliment for having Marcus Mariota as the best backup in football. He's better than Andy Dalton. Give me a break. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo has been damaged, goods, and hurt, so he could be a backup when Lance gets to start. So for the Raiders, I think it's too important because the Raiders, I think, are improved. This offense is loaded. And God forbid if Carr gets hurt, I don't predict injuries. Never have. I don't go down that road. But considering the Raiders' offensive line is be. Has been fixed, or you know, it's a work in progress. You got to assume that Carr is going to be under more pressure this year than last year. Correct? We all good with that. Carr is going to be under more pressure this year than he was last year. Now we got rid of that bomb, Trent Brown. And when the national media rips the Raiders, they say the same thing. Have you seen the script of the national media? Saw it today well, the Raiders have a new revamped offensive line, and they got rid of some good players. No, 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 no. They got rid of a bum and Trent Brown who was stealing money and not available. They don't seem to give that to the script writers who write the shows of the other guys when they say the Raiders lost three great offensive linemen. No, Trent Brown didn't play. He wasn't available. He didn't want to be a Raider. They got rid of a bum. So that's a good thing. So they got, so they got rid of two guys. Rodney Hudson, who reportedly didn't want to be here. And I only can say great things about Rodney as a player. You're not better at center without Rodney Hudson. But Andre James is supposed to be ready to go. And everybody says so. You've heard the press conferences. And then they're going to have an opening and a competition at right guard. And we'll see if John Simpson steps up. Denzel Good, what they're going to do. But is that going to be a weakness in the team? I don't know. I wouldn't say it's going to be their strength is right guard. But they should have a couple of options there. And they have better depth than they had last year. So that's what happens. Gabe Jackson is gone. So I look at the offensive line. I got to assume Derek's going to be under more pressure. So I wouldn't get rid of Mariota, period, because Derek could get knocked around in a couple of these games. I hope he doesn't get hurt. Remember last year, Derek got hurt. Mariota came in, played really well, and then Derek raced to play again when his season could have been over. He didn't have to come back. He wanted to play because he knew Marcus Mariota was behind him, and Derek wanted to play, and it's his team. And I'm not a big believer of taking Derek Carr out of games when he's healthy for Marcus Mariota. So you could say there's a lot of fans who tell me in person, hey, JT, do we have a package set up? Gruden Gruden talked about this. Is there going to be a red zone package set up for Marcus Mariota? Yeah, I'm assuming there's going to be, but Derek Carr's not going to like it. Why would Derek Carr, who gets paid to be productive and score touchdowns, want to come out on the five-yard line for Marcus Mariota? I would only take Derek out if it was an obvious running situation. First and goal at the four. How did that work out? It didn't work out. So I'm just bringing this up because we have to talk about this today. Because Carson Wentz is gone, and the Colts are a playoff team, and the only guy that I see that can get the Colts to the playoffs is Marcus Mariota. It's not the guys they have backing them up. I think they have combined like a half a start. I mean, there's no one that can play there. And they are in the market now for a backup quarterback. What do you believe – would be an offer to John Gruden and Mike Mayock for Marcus Mariota. I don't think they'll take it unless they were blown away by that. And if you want to keep Marcus Mariota, I ask you why. Why do you want to have that much money tied up into a backup quarterback? Didn't we deal with this with Robin Leonard and Marc-Andre Fleury? Didn't we go through this for a year here on this show? If you want Marcus Mariota to hold the clipboard and not play, With the quality of players that the Raiders are trying to get on defense, don't you think that Mariota could be trade value to get a player or at least a draft pick that could get you another defensive player that all the Raider Nation wants? So, again, so this isn't taken out of content. I wouldn't trade Mariota unless they came in with a second-round pick or a player and he looked at the deal and said, whoa, didn't expect that, but the Colts know he's the guy. Want to hear from the Raider Nation on that call to action because you got to give a call to action around here. I mean, it's like a podcast world we live in now. Got to tell people when we're live on the radio in the Raider Nation to match my energy, let's go 702 365 9200. What is fair value for Mariota? And if you want to keep them, let it be known. I'll be at practice tomorrow. If you want to keep Mariota? This is exactly why you have a great backup quarterback. Exactly why. Another team gets desperate, they lost their quarterback, they want yours. A six-year-old can figure that out. The second point is you don't want to get rid of a really good backup quarterback because if your quarterback gets hurt, it's the ultimate insurance. Marcus Mariota is great insurance for Carr. Phenomenal. Carr's tough. He doesn't get hurt much. I mean, he broke his ankle because of a play that broke down, and it was a crack. It was clean. That was a violent injury. But Carr plays through pain. He plays through pain. If he is banged up, if he gets sacked, if he gets thrown to the ground, Carr has been tough, and he'll come back and play. So, I wanted to bring that up as we open up the show. Friday, Gus Bradley spoke to the media and they talked about Hobbs coming in now. Nate Hobbs is a name you're hearing a lot. Vinny Bonsignor has been writing it up. Hobbs is a go to guy now, he's proven himself so far in these practices. They'll get in pads tomorrow. Bradley talked about the nickel corner and the opportunity for this young player.
2: The nickel corner now Hobbs has done really well. I really like Lawson. He's shown up. Amik has done some good things. Again, this is all at the Temple we've been practicing at. But still, we keep track of mental errors. You know, just see our guys playing fast. And Hobbs is the guy that is playing fast. I mean, it's almost from day one that he stepped in. So very pleased with his progress.
1: If Hobbs is playing fast and He can tackle, okay, because we saw the tape on him when he was drafted. I don't know how he can tackle in the NFL. If he can tackle in space and he's fast, put him in. I like him better than Lawson. I haven't seen much out of Lawson. If he's now the new guy, the new hot guy they're talking about, we'll see it. We'll have to see it in the preseason. And Amik Robertson, to me, is another guy that was drafted, and when is he going to get going here? If he can play, put him in the game. If he can play, put him in that slot. Let's see if he can do it. If not, you got to move on to the next guy up. Uh, Gus Bradley talked about the D-line. This has been my big topic. My big topic since I told you Yannick Ngakwe was coming. But then Solomon Thomas and Jefferson and everybody that they brought in to compete. Bradley loves this topic because it's kind of a make-or-break position group.
2: Mike Mayak and Coach Gruden done a good job when we you know, interviewed for this position and we talked it all over. You know, One of the big things we talked about was you can never have enough rushers. You know, that's just kind of our mindset since the time I was at Seattle. And, uh, you know, and if you can come in waves. You know, you got a first group, and then get the second group out there, and it's very, very good for morale in the room, because everybody knows they're playing, and they have an impact on the game. That's extremely important, and they know that they, they just got to fight, man, and they know if they earn it, we're going to find a way to get them on the field, so I think some of that mindset as you can see some of the guys we brought in was geared towards that, but you know, you got a guy like Hank in there that is so good, you really count on him and his leadership, and you know, bigger body guys like a five line, you know, in the inside. So, Salma Thomas Q. So, I think, but on the edge, you're seeing where now, got like we drafted with Malcolm, that edge rush, man, You can never have enough of those good rushers.
1: I like what he said there. So, they got the edge rushes that they believe in, right? Mad Max and Yannick Ngakwe. Bring in Malcolm Koontz. Cleland Farrell can play on the outside. But, the interior part of this defensive line, with all due respect to Jelly Ellis, And the the thing's got to get going now. Somebody's got to demand a double team. Someone's got to get penetration to get some push going into the backfield against the quarterback up the middle. Raider Nation has been waiting a long time for that. The last guy I can remember, Warren Sapp, was one of the greatest of all time. And Warren Sapp played hard with the Raiders. I was there for that on the sideline. He's a good player. He wasn't the Warren Sapp in the prime of his Hall of Fame career. And then Daryl Russell was one of the greatest talents I've ever seen. He went to the Pro Bowl in his first two years until he tragically lost his life. That was a guy that was a great player, and then it went south on him. So the Raiders got to get that going, and I think Gus Bradley talked about that. I mentioned John Gruden talked about these early practices at 7.30 in the morning. I think a lot of it has to do with the heat, of course, but the discipline of these players being mentally ready very early in the morning.
0: I don't think people realize practicing at 7.30 a.m. is... I think unprecedented, at least in my career as a coach, and to have uh, everybody come out uh, with that type of concentration and energy and effort was impressive. Hot out there, you know, kicking off at 7.30. Guys got to get up at 5 a.m. every day. So these guys must like football. That's promising.
1: Yeah, that's one thing about this team. I said that about Jack Del Rio, too, when he was the coach. The Raiders like playing football. Gruden Gruden gets these guys happy. They're in a brand-new building, brand-new homes. Brand new team hotel. I mean, give me a break. I mean, they, they're getting treated pretty good here. I mean, these guys are getting treated pretty good. The meal room, the hotel, the rooms they got, all the equipment they got. It's, life is pretty good if you're a member of the Raiders and you make this team. They're not cutting any corners in regards to luxury items with this team. The way they travel, the way they treat their alumni. The players see this. So the players should be happy to get up early and come to work and beat the Heat and then get all their other work in there. I think Gruden's on to something here. He also mentioned Hobbs and Merrig, two young players who are competing already.
0: Pretty good. You know, I'm hoping we've taken enough DBs in the early rounds over the years. Hell, you know, these guys got to step up. We didn't bring them in here to, you know, sell Raider gear. We got to get get some playmaking out of these guys. And Hobbs... I think we talked about the other day comes from Lovie Smith. When you have that type of pedigree for three or four years, you have no idea what that can do for your growth. Uh, He can play nickel, he can play corner. You know Peanut Tillman of the Bears, how to chop the ball and get the ball out. He's been trained to do all these things. Great communicator, very alert, professional young guy. And uh, Marion, I think, is going to show up when the games start. Right now, it's. Still in shorts, but I'm really impressed with what we've seen so far.
1: So that's and Bay. I love that line. We didn't bring him in to sell Raider gear. I love that line, Bobby. Save that for a drop because that's just too good. And he's right. You know, there's some of the players that they brought in in the defensive backfield the last couple of years have not panned out. So they're bringing in other players, which clearly senses to me that the organization understands that it's make or break with several of their draft picks this year that are in the secondary. We know John Abrams, one of them. Carl Joseph was brought in to help out along the way. And now we got to find out what's going to happen with Hobbs and the cornerback position with Arnett. Can Arnett go? And everything looks good with Arnett. He's healthy. He got bigger and stronger. I told you that and tweeted that out when I saw him. It was mind-blowing when he walked by me and I said, man, that is not the guy I saw last year. So he knows. I think the light switch turned on with him that if he wants to be here, he's going to have to play well. Also, Coach Gruden on, this is Saturday, talked about this Rams practice that will go on when they have those interteam practices. Very important because of the personnel that they have on that team. That would
0: be a great indicator for Rugs to see Jalen Ramsey. And, you know, now we're counting on our, our guys to challenge them too now. We're not just going out there as a, you know... We got Ngakwe and Solomon Thomas is coming back, and we got some guys that are looking forward to competing. But you are right; they've got some great players, and um, we got a great coach. It'll be a great challenge for us.
1: Yeah, so that's going to be interesting too. So the Rams and the big elephant in the room, everybody, is we got to stay. This team's got to stay healthy, has to. I led the show with Carson Wentz injury. You know, right now, starting today, and you can get hurt. You can have an injury, soft tissue injury. Something could happen when you're not. In pads, but tomorrow the pads start. And we gotta hope every day when Vinnie Bonsignor comes on and Q comes on after practice that there's no update on an injury. And you can't predict that. You have no clue, no idea. But cross your fingers because it's really important for the Raiders. They have a very good roster. They have an upgraded roster. Can it get better? Yeah. But the roster's pretty much set. The roster in the depth chart is set. There's a couple of competition. I think a couple of competition battles at defensive tackle and in the secondary. But you know who's playing on this team. And a big topic for us over the next three weeks are when are they practicing, are they healthy, are they playing in the preseason, and are they ready to go against Baltimore? That's it. That's what the preseason is. There's nothing more to it. It's who's healthy and who's playing well in the preseason to make the team. I can't wait next week when we come back from the Hall of Fame to look at where the 53 man roster is projected at to see because, man, they got, some, they got some depth at a lot of positions, and I think some guys are going to move to the practice squad or might be let go. There could be a trade because they have a, a, they have good players who are going to fight to make this roster. To make, The guys who are going to be from 49, 50, 51, 52, 53, and then the guys left out through 55, that's going to be a pick em. It's going to be really close. Some feelings are going to get hurt. When they come down to this roster, but that's a good problem to have. How about Darren Waller on Saturday? I told Bobby to pull this. I just like his sense of urgency. He likes all the fame he's getting individually, but he's a team player.
2: It's just a sense of urgency, you know. Uh, when I was, you know, coming out of the dark places in my life, it was like, man, like you, you come that close to, you know, not being here anymore. It's like you have a new sense of urgency, and it's like, you know, every single day, I'm not promised much, so I want to take that mentality and put it into everything that I do, especially being somebody that's in a, a leadership position now on this team.
1: God, everything he says is so good, isn't it? Everything that he says is so good. He just gets it. What a leader. What a diamond in the rough the Raiders found with him. Now the opportunity to get him to take his game to the next level. What is that next level? What is it going to be? How high could that next level be? I think it could be high. I don't know how many more catches he's going to get, but he's going to have the opportunity to step up and make bigger plays. Also this year, we all understand he's going to be in a spot where he's going to be a decoy at times. He's going to be a decoy because they're going to double team him. And someone better get the hell open. Okay? If Waller's double teamed and he is jacked up at the – At the point of attack, at the line of scrimmage, somebody's in a one-on-one situation, and we know who those guys are. And Carr's got to check out of that and get to those guys quickly. And finally, Alex Leatherwood, who a lot of people are saying, including Richie Incognito, we got some sound later on, that he acts like a veteran already. He is a veteran. He played at Alabama for Nick Saban in all those games. That's like an NFL team, and he brings that type of experience to the Raiders. I wouldn't say
2: I feel like a veteran. But uh, I do say I feel like uh, I bring a a very business-like approach uh, to whenever uh, I go to practice, I go to meetings, you know what I mean? Um, I'm here to work, and I'm super excited to be a part of this team.
1: Everybody's thrilled about him so far, but we got to see him with pads on. Got to see what he looks like. Five Iron Golf, the premier indoor golf facility inside Area 15, With eight simulators giving you access to play the world's best golf courses. I played Pebble Beach. I played St. Andrews. It's incredible. You get brand new equipment. When you hit the ball, it feels like you're at the golf course. All while enjoying drinks, food, and fun. Their league play starts Monday, August 16th. If you play golf in leagues... Do it indoors at this place. I think you'll love it. The leagues are for everyone. New players, avid golfers, everyone in between. So sign up as an individual or a team. Sign up now at fiveirongolfcom slash leagues. That's fiveirongolfcom slash leagues. Tell them Jay sent, uh, JT sent you, will get $100 off. Call them right now at 5 Iron Golf. Fred the Hammer Williamson, a Raider legend, a movie star, been in a bunch of really big movies. Really excited to talk to him. Once a Raider, always a Raider. He joins us next as we get ready for Tom Flores. And we get ready for you. So hopefully there's someone out there who wants to talk about Tom Flores today. Because I'm not on vacation. We're back. And we're on Raider Nation Radio, the flagship of the silver and black.
0: another different formation. Barnwell and Branch to the left and Allen was split to the right. And it's Branch for touchdown. Anthony Washington, the
2: defender. That was a quick move he made here. Yes, sir. Watch Plunkett. He sees him right now. He says, I got him. Right over there and drill it in there to Cliff Branch wide open. The countdown to Canton continues. Here's J.T. the Brick.
1: I've never heard that one. Summerall and Madden, Plunkett to Branch. Way to go, Bobby. J.T. back with you. Once a Raider, always a Raider. Brought to you by the M Resort. Spot and Casino, Fred the Hammer Williamson, one of the great NFL legends of all time, former Raider great, legendary actor joining us. Fred, good to talk to you. Paint a picture for me. Where are you? What are you looking at? What are you doing today?
3: I'm sitting out on the patio with the wind blowing on my face, smoking a cigar, and <laughs> listening to you waiting to call.
1: Uh, how many cigars a day now? I had one over the weekend. How great is it to have a cigar? Look at the view you're looking at right now.
3: Well, for me, it, it's a soothing thing to smoke a cigar. I don't really smoke a cigar. The cigar smokes itself. <laughs> it's after you have a good meal or you just want to relax and not be bothered. When I light my cigar, my wife knows better not to bother me <laughs> until I finish the cigar. So it's a moment of peace and quiet.
1: Love that, Fred. Tell me about your relationship with Tom Flores, former teammate. When it began, some of the earliest memories you have with Coach Flores.
3: Well, that goes way back. Uh, people don't really remember what the name of the Raider team was before they became the Raiders. Do you?
1: I do. I was it. I got. I should have this right here, but I, I don't. I, I'm drawing a blank. Tell me.
3: <laughs> it was the Oakland Seniors. Seniors, right? And the head coach was Eddie Erdlantz, a Latino coach. I was drafted by the 49ers, so I played the first uh, exhibition season with the 49ers, and they traded me to the Pittsburgh Steelers. That was 1960. So I played for Pittsburgh in 1960. I came back to California after the season to... Get, gather up my belongings and take them back to Pittsburgh. When Al Davis called me and says, "Come over here, son. You'll have better results playing over here." And I said, "Why should I come over there? I'm making nine thousand five hundred now, which is top." He mm. said, "We'll give you five hundred dollar raise." I got on the bicycle and I was across the Bay Bridge in five seconds. So, I was with the Raiders in 1961 and met Tom. Tom uh, was an automatic leader. You know, when you talk about a, a player's statistics and what, he, what he's done on the football field, that's really not a fair explanation of the, of the man himself because you've got to understand, which I understand probably more than you do, mm-hmm. the dedication and the motivation that's necessary to come from where Tom came from Where I came from, to be a success at what you do, to get beyond the superficial BS that people judge you and say that you can't do this because you're the wrong color. That to to Tom, like me, became a motivation, and that's probably what made him successful in what he does as a football player is the motivation to overcome the superficial BS that people lay on you because you're non-white. It did it for me. It did it for him. You can't deny that motivation that made him what he is today and the dedication that it took to do that. Now, he had a negative. But fortunately, his negative became a positive because at that time, and not up until recently, there were no black quarterbacks. Okay? Mm-hmm. Tom was a quarterback in college. His deficiency was he was slow. Tom was not a scat bag. Tom takes three minutes to run 40 yards. That became a positive for him because most quarterbacks got changed to defensive backs or running backs or receivers. They couldn't do that to Tom. So they left Tom alone to his field that he really wanted to do is be a quarterback. So they couldn't change him. They couldn't make him something different. And I think he proved that they made the right choice. Mm-hmm. He was a leader. Tom was not a yell guy. He didn't he didn't run and, and, and give out speeches. He presented himself in a manner that you believe that he could do it, that he could bring you out of a hole, he could score a touchdown when necessary. Tom had a quiet way about him that motivated you because you felt you were following a
1: leader. Fred the Hammer Williamson is our guest. So you go from the NFL and the Steelers to the AFL and the Raiders. 61-64. to 64, A three-time AFL All-Star. You won an AFL championship in Kansas City. You were there during the growth of the AFL. How proud are you still with that relationship, the connection to the late Al Davis, and what it meant to be an early Raider, when you were fighting for your lives to keep a league going and grow that league, and you were already in the NFL. What was
3: that like for you? Well, it was, first of all, there were two, two different ways the leagues played. Mm-hmm. Raiders became the speed team. The AFL was the speed passing, which is what the AFC is now, which is a combination of really leftover American football league teams is more AFL teams in the AFC. It was, it was three yards, a cloud of dust. That was the NFL on the AFL. It was 90 yard passes, 80 yard passes and speed down the sidelines. Al Davis believed in speed. He convinced the owners of the American football league that speed was what it took to win football games. So we had a lot of speeder players on the Raiders team. Uh, Tom had a lot of good guys to throw to, Branch was a lightning down the sidelines. He had a, great, we had a great offensive team. We just had to find a way to make it all work and come together as a team.
1: Fred the Hammer Williamson joins us. So your, your tremendous football career, when did you get the taste for the limelight in Hollywood and wanting to get into acting, uh, the relationship with Jim Brown, television and movies, when you got a taste of it, you ran through that door and knocked it down and became a very well-recognized actor early. How did you make that transition?
3: Well, for me, it was an easy transition because I understood where I was in pro football. If you ask a person to name you the defensive backs, they can't. They can name the running back, they can name the quarterback, but they can't name the defensive backs. If I ask somebody their favorite team to do it, they can get two out of three. There's no way. Most of them don't get four. So, I knew there was something that I had to do, you know, to 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 change that identity that I wasn't getting. So I created, or or pursued and, and identified with this nickname that some fan gave me, which is the Hammer. So that was my identity. So I was understanding what life was going to be while I played, and while life was going to be after I played. So I was going to be the Hammer till death do us part. So at the game was over, I was gonna sell hammer hot dogs or hammer wieners or something else, but it gave me an identity. And I realized that that's what it took to be a success in the industry because if they don't know who you are and they don't remember your last film or something that you did in that last film was dynamic, then they don't remember you. So in my contracts, it says very clearly, you can't kill me in a movie. And have to win all my fights in a movie. <laughs> so I was creating a Clint Eastwood image, a Charles Bronson image, a John Wayne image. Those guys don't die in the movies. Why the hell should I die? So it was easy for me. It was easy for me to make that tough guy transition from being the hammer in pool football to be a butt kicker in the movies. Fred Williams, so it, it works for me. Yeah. It works for me.
1: It does. Fred Williamson is our guest, Raider legend, football legend, and a great actor. And, Fred, what were the politics like in the race relations in the 70s when you talked about that? Bronson, Eastwood, John Wayne, you're a recognized black actor looking for better roles. You were kind of a pioneer to help other actors who came behind you. How proud are you of that?
3: Well, that's one thing that I was never doing, looking for roles. That was not my motivation. My motivation was when you get into a business... In order in order to be a success in the business, you have to understand the business of the business. So when they allowed me and gave me my first two roles, which were uh, Diane Kill's boyfriend and the Julia on the Julia show, which I made that happen by going to them and telling them that they needed somebody tall, dark and handsome like me to be her regular boyfriend. And they agreed with me after I told them that I had done five years of acting in Canada and they couldn't, they couldn't, they couldn't, you know, find. <laughs> they couldn't find the tape. Find that was true. Yeah. They couldn't find that was true. So they believed me and they gave me a shot. And bam, with to three-year contract. I says, okay, this is this is good. Fortunately, the next movie I did was Mash. I'm standing in the comic here and a guy walks by and he says, "You're the Hammer, right?" I says, "Yeah." He says, "I'm doing a movie. I don't have a, I don't know any, know anything about football, but can you come and direct all the football stuff and put all the football players together?" And that was Mash. And I said, wow, okay, now I know how to do this. This is easy. you know. I ain't standing in line. I don't stand in line and ask for parts. That's, what I, that's not what I do. I decided that I was going to take my career into my own hands. I understood that my films were popular. Myself was popular in the European market. So I started going to Cannes Film Festival, Milan Film Festival, all the foreign film festivals, and pre-selling my film with nothing but a script, pre-selling it, getting the money, Getting the contracts, bring the contracts back to the first Los Angeles bank, which is what I dealt with in fact in L.A. They loaned me money against the contracts, and I started making my own movies. So that's how I keep my career going. I control what I do. I direct. I produce. I write, and I smoke cigars.
1: Fred Williamson, the Hammer. Once a Raider, always a Raider. What does it mean to you to be identified as a Raider?
3: Dude, what 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 else is there? You know, okay, I play with Kansas City. That's really good, but. The Raiders is a team that is known as a glue team. We will hit you. We hurt you. It's changed a little bit because you can't really lay the leather into them like I did back in the day. And you hit them too hard now to call unnecessary roughness, which is ridiculous, you know. So if, if I'm hitting you too hard, you shouldn't be on the field. Go sit on the bench, man. Don't come out here in front of me because I'm going to get you as hard as I can. And I'm not trying to hurt you, understand. I just want some respect. And I think the Raiders in the day, back in the day, played that kind of football for respect. They just need a few more leaders on that team so they can get back to hitting people and make people aware that they're on the field. They're a little lacking in that right now, but that is yet to come.
1: You'll be watching Sunday when Tom Flores gets inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Finally, what does that mean to you, knowing everything you said to start this off about Coach Flores and his wife?
3: Way too late, man. I mean, they should have done this years ago. Mm-hmm. The man proved that he was a man, not just a football player, but a leader. No matter where he went, no matter which team he was with, He was a leader. He became a success. He's a guy with four Super Bowls, four Super Bowl rings. I mean, not many people can do that and then then go to a commentator and still talk about the game. The game is in his blood. The game will be in his blood forever. He is the man and shown it and proved it. He doesn't have to prove it anymore.
1: Hammer, please tell me when you're out in Vegas, cigars on me. We'll sit in a lounge in Vegas, more and more stories, do a podcast. Can't wait to see you, and thanks so much for doing this ahead of Tom Flores' induction. means everything to the Raider Nation.
3: No doubt, without a question. Tom was the man, deserved it. It's long past due. It should have been done a long time ago.
1: Thank you, sir. There he is, Fred the Hammer Williamson. Wow. To get him on, I, I interviewed him like four or five years ago. To have the Hammer on in his movies... And you see his movies all the time. And he talked about Julia and his big break in television and the impact he had. He was a three-time AFL All-Star and won an AFL championship with Kansas City. But a great football player in the prime of his career. And a guy, if you look him up, if you look him up on Google, Wikipedia, it's more about his acting career than football because of the legacy that he put together out in Hollywood. Thanks to the Hammer for joining us. Brought Brought to you by the M. Well, I'll be out at the M a bunch. You know where to find me at the M, at the pool or the Raiders Tavern and Grill. At the pool, drinking a Dole Whip, the new drink out there that I had over the weekend and posted a picture of us. Thank you to Fred Williamson. I really enjoyed that. Hope you did, too. Uh, when we come back, we'll get more into, at the top of the hour, the soccer game. Bobby, should I open up the complaint line? Maybe that'll, that'll be the way we get a call. Someone, someone blanking and moaning about parking. I'm talking football here. Let's hear from the Raider fans. 702-365-9200. Next hour, the first ever sports talk host to make a million dollars, Mike North from Chicago. Always good to talk to him from a gaming perspective. Big show here on a Monday. Raider Nation Radio brought to you by PTs.
0: Tom um, Flores, this was one of the finest prepared football teams I have ever seen. You went right to work after beating Seattle. You kept your eye on Washington all the way. This whole organization was so confident when I was around. It. Well, this is, uh, this is such a great group of guys. And, you know, we just uh, we just go out and do our job. We don't pay attention to what is said about us. We don't pay attention to all the, the hoopla and the distractions or whatever. Uh, we, we have a job to do, and we get it done. And uh, we have, it's just been tremendous.
1: More from JT as the countdown to Canton continues. Tom Flora is being interviewed by Brett Musburger, right? In the 80s, and now Brett Musburger is the voice of the Raiders. How about going in a hot tub time machine back to that and telling Brett Musburger that in his ear? Hey, all these years later, you're going to be the voice of the Raiders. JT, back with you, brought to you by Grimaldi's, best pizza I ever had. Five locations in the Valley. Get the Brooklyn Bridge, the Caesar salads, the wine list. Everything is there for you. Take your family to Grimaldi's, home of the $50 gift card. So NBA free agency, counting down, they have a clock on the jump. Two hours and eight minutes till free agency. Chris Paul opted out of his deal He's going to re sign, he thinks, for more in Phoenix, which is amazing. I wouldn't give him more money. He's on the end of his career, but these contracts are so out of control in the NBA. Guys like Kawhi Leonard opt out and opt in for more money. I've never seen anything like this. So there aren't as many free agents uh, as last year with LeBron James and the lock in with the Lakers after the championship. Look, we all knew LeBron was going to stay with the Lakers. We know that Chris Paul's probably staying with Phoenix. Kawhi's interesting. Because Kawhi, you'd think the Clippers won him. Kawhi's been hurt a lot. He load manages. He doesn't play a lot. He's had a bunch of injuries. He's a mercenary. He'll go from team to team. I don't know. I'm a Knicks fan. I'd love to take a look at him. Also, back to the NFL, Mike Florio, who likes to stir the pot with the Raiders, put out an article today. No, no, there's a no-win-now mandate for John Gruden, and that comes from Peter King. As Peter King put out his new column, Football Morning in America. If you haven't read it yet, everybody should go read Peter King's Football Morning in America. It's probably the biggest in-depth look at the Raiders that you've seen this year. And the Raiders have great insiders. Vic Tafer wrote an unbelievable column. Paul Gutierrez, fantastic. There's a lot of great writers. Ed Graney, we know who they are. But this one, Mike Florio picked apart what he thought would be controversial. And the fact that Gruden hasn't won yet and hasn't been to the playoffs and haven't delivered for this team. So Peter King asked Gruden if he's pissed at having only 19 wins in 48 games. From Gruden, quote, I'm not pissed. I'm excited about the progress we made. We weren't very good. We had, I think, 20 new starters my first year. Our second year, we got off to a pretty good start. We lost our right tackle. We lost our right guard. We lost our feature back down the stretch. We struggled. And we lost games against Jacksonville and Denver late in the year. You got to really see it to believe it, how we lost those games. Got to get off to a good start. Got off to a good start last year. Decimated at times because of the virus. We had a tough schedule. But we're in the playoff hunt the last couple of years until later in the season. I think we're improving, but I don't like to lose. I don't like here in 19 and 29. I do like the feeling of progress. We were 6-2 in the West, 6-2 on the road. That's pretty good. We got to continue to get, obviously, better at home. Yeah, that's pretty honest. He's talking to Peter King about it. They're awesome good in what the Raiders are doing. He sees progress even more so than the team that he inherited that had 12 wins. I'll tell you again, when he looked at that team, he didn't think that team was going to last. He didn't like the roster. He blew it up. But everybody goes back to it and says, well, it was a 12-win team. It was. It was, and Carr played great that year until he got hurt. Gruden looked at the roster and said, No, these are not my guys. I'm going to break it down and rebuild it in the liking of him and Mike Mayock. And it's been a struggle at times, but they do have the players that they want. And some of those players are progressing. And the ones that aren't, they're on notice. That's the fact. That's exactly what's going on with this team now. Salmon Ash. It's salmonashlaw.com because you deserve what's right. Go to salmonashlaw.com if you're looking for the best of the best. And now they're proud partners of the Henderson Silver Knights. A lot of news on Sam and Ash this week. Congratulations to them. When we come back, a recap of soccer and how Allegiant Stadium was the star last night all over the soccer world.